people don't want to quiet quit under amazing leadership. People don't quiet quit and need, have a need for that soft life if you have amazing leadership. People quit leaders. People don't quit jobs. This is your boy Keese, Marquise Davon, whatever you want to call me. Just make sure you do not call me Mark. I do not play about that. Okay. Um, this American Negro is a podcast that aims to bridge academia and the hood through cultural conversation with more of a socio-political lens. I am an educator. I'm an activist. I am um, a theater lover, a book lover, an avid reader, anything, whatever the hell you want to call me. Um, but these are all things that inform my opinion in terms of who I am. And how I kind of approach any kind of conversation with much more of a holistic aspect to it, but also just being a black man in America and really just thinking about different ways to mobilize my people. So there's a little bit about me, especially if you're new here. If you're not new here, you already know what it is. Welcome back. I appreciate you. Okay. Um, and you already know different th ways to support me. You can go to patreon.com slash Marquise Davon. That's M-A-R-Q-U-I-S-E-D-A-V-O-N. Again, these are ways to support me monetarily, if possible, okay, for as little as $2 a month, which is $24 a year, whatever you're willing to pay. Again, we're still in a pandemic. There's a lot of stuff happening up in this world. And so put your dollars where it is important. If you choose that is with me, then I appreciate that just as much. But there are also non-monetary ways to also donate to me as well. And so that is liking and subscribing wherever you are listening to this podcast. If you're watching it, wherever you are at, Make sure to subscribe, comment, interact with me. Engagement is super important for content creators, making sure that we get to push the conversation, but also make sure that we end up in the algorithm in some way, shape, or form. That's super necessary as well. Other ways to non-monetarily donate to this podcast is also ensuring that you tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend because ain't nothing a better feeling than being like, yo, I heard this from my homeboy. I heard this from my homegirl. I heard this from this person that I know, whatever that looks like. Those are just different ways to support me, and I appreciate that so much. Um, and if you are super interested in other stuff that I'm doing, I'm also producing Hung Up Pod Live with Eric Cole and Tony Purnell. It is super exciting to be in the space of a producer at this point. It is a different aspect of who I am, but I get to help somebody else's vision come to life and be able to have a little bit more say in what that looks like. And so, again, if you're also interested in that, make sure you look up Hung Up Pod Live. Great episodes. We're about we're over 10 episodes in um, different conversations. Once again, I just enjoy just being able to help somebody else and be able to collaborate in a way that I wasn't expecting to, especially with my boy, Eric. So make sure to also support him and his platform as well, especially if you are a black queer person going through America and just in general, that is the space to be in. Other than that, check in with your body, check in with yourself. How are you feeling? This is a quick wellness check because we about to get into some things in this episode, but I wanted to make sure that you are also investing in yourself. Uh, last week, I talked around like, how are you sustaining your own joy? How am I sustaining my joy? This time around is really just protecting my peace and ensuring that boundaries are being met. 
sometimes I do struggle with holding up with boundaries just because like the relationships I could have with people. I'm just like, all right, maybe I can push this boundary a little bit. Whoop, whoop, whoop. But in reality, who's that? Who's that helping? Who's that respecting? Not you. Okay, figure it out. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. How are you practicing setting up boundaries and healthy boundaries that feel good for everybody and yourself more in particular? Because you are the person that she should be thinking about the most in these kind of situations. Right. So let me know how you supporting yourself. How are you also um, setting those boundaries and being intentional about respecting them as well? Cool. Think this is more important because of the topic that we are getting into today. So I'm really fascinated by our shift in our relationship to work, work culture, hustle culture, this idea of the soft life, this idea of quiet quitting. How are jobs competing with like the changing nature of how we all feel about work now? That is completely different. I don't think people are ready for it. I don't know if companies are actually shifting in a way that's going to feel good and if they're going to shift in time enough for you to truly come back. But I am so interested in this conversation, so I'm excited to have it. This episode is going to go through, like, we're going to look at the pandemic. So if that's a lot for you to think about, we can just whoop, 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 skip wherever you need to. Um, but also, we're going to look at how music and art is shifting this, media and television, but also movements that we're actually seeing happen in real life. But also what I think employers and employees can be doing and what to be worried about as we go through this entire situation. These last couple of years have shifted how we are going to look at work and our relationship to work for the rest of our lives and however the world is going to shape itself into moving forward. And for me, it, it we have no choice but to start with the pandemic, right? I think it's been shifting, but I think that pandemic has expedited really our relationship to work and how we have to interact with it. The pandemic forced us to be at home more often. We had a little bit more control over our time. And in that same instance, we realized we was working too damn hard. Like, that is a lot. And so the pandemic had forced the workplace and us to think around like, yo, how is the workplace not beneficial to our mental well-being anymore? Especially in this idea that, especially in America, it's move, 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 move. It is no breaks in between. You are doing your nine to five, going on to your five to nine, whatever this thing looks like. Whereas I'm also thinking around from a global perspective, they have FICAs in other places. They have siestas in other places. These are opportunities for people to take breaks and genuinely engage in community building. You quite literally are having a cup of coffee with somebody. You are quite literally taking time to rest in the middle of your workday. I'm thinking around all of this stuff because now the pandemic forced everybody to have to think like that. We had to have a consideration of like, yo, I actually don't have to have four productive work hours. And we all knew, okay, it was not said, but we all knew you only had four productive work hours because after that lunch block, you kind of made it look like you was busy and then you were like chilling and socializing. Like that really became that last stretch of the day. And so when you're looking at what research suggests, when you're looking at how work, climate, and workplace habits are even forming, it was a very quiet reality. Uh, it's an unspoken truth, I guess, would be the best way to put it in terms of like how we are navigating the workplace and what the reality is. And so in this I think the pandemic also forced us to have to be considerate of communities that are usually marginalized within the workplace. We are now seeing people who are differently abled and may, some people who may deal with social anxiety, some people who may have relationships, have trouble building relationships with people, but they just simply want to do their job. 
But the workplace kind of forces us to have to be in community with other people. And then we have to play these workplace politics. It forces us to look at work a little differently because we have to think around our social interactions and we have to talk about the task that's getting done. And are we a company culture fit? You know, they love company culture. Are you a culture person, right? All of these things are to be true. And so as we are thinking around that, I'm actually more concerned around, are those considerations going away? I think a lot of institutions are starting to run back to what is familiar, but I'm not sure if familiar is what is necessary right now. I think people who are in leadership actually are forced to come to the table with new solutions, with creativity, with imagination, a space where you can be a little bit more collaborative and like what this workplace can actually be. And that's going to be important because if people are going to be spending a, a third of their day here, like that's eight hours of their time, sometimes more work sometimes can become your identity. And I don't think we're in that bit. We're not in the, in the space of creating work that is closely tied to who we are. Now, I think some of us get into it depending if like, you know, educators, I feel like we live in that space a little bit more because we're teaching masses, we're doing a thing where, you know, we're purpose driven. Doctors, lawyers, like these big institutional jobs that just need to exist. Sometimes those get closely, more closely tied to our identity. But a lot of people are no, like there's a lot of jobs out here that are task driven. You feel me? And because of that being more task driven, I'm not coming to work with a purpose. I'm coming in here to collect a check in order to survive because capitalism is trash. But we're seeing also, we want to spend more time with family. We want to create healthy boundaries. We want to invest in working less. And in all of that, it's hard to do, especially because in this era right now, we want to just live because we know on the other side of it, we're expendable. And I think that just adds on to like this whole existential crisis we are all having because we're looking at work and we realize like, even if I quit, it won't feel meaningful because they're going to find somebody else to fill my spot. And because of them finding somebody else to fill my spot, the work here I'm doing, is it actually impactful? Is it actually worth my time? Am I just feeding somebody who's getting a larger checks check? All of these things are meant to be considered, especially as we talk around this whole conversation in terms of like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I don't know if I want to move up in this organization. I don't know if I want to work that hard anymore. I don't know if I want to do this thing anymore. All of these I don't knows are existing in the workplace now that I don't think existed before, which is why we get into this era of quiet quitting, which is why we are seeing the need for a soft life. And we're seeing TikTok turn on the workplace asexually, okay? And this era of quiet quitting, for those who may not know, it's just this idea of like, I am no longer going to go above and beyond at my job. I don't need to do this thing anymore because I'm actually not going to see a payoff in enough time. Me going above and beyond means I might have to wait two years to see like my work get acknowledged, especially if you're a black person that might even take a little bit more time to do. And while you're in this era of quiet quitting, that means I just am coming in doing my job and I'm leaving. I'm not invested in building community. I'm not invested in doing all this extra stuff. I'm really not. And what does that mean for us? That, that could mean a couple of things for those who are experiencing layoffs, if you are not going above and beyond, what does that mean? Oh, you actually are not worth being here. We have somebody who's going to do the work and put in more work for us. So we're going to keep that person. You, peace. <laughs> we can give we can give that job to somebody else who's going to work a little harder because employers are still expecting you to want to do your best. There's not many employers that are just like, oh, it's okay. You can just do the bare minimum. We're going to be happy with it and keep it going. No, they want you invested in their dream because that is also connected to their performance. We need to have that reality check for a lot of people. 
I'm not saying all bosses are like that. I think there are a couple of unicorns who are just like, no, you deserve a break. Take your break. That's the kind of space that we need to move in. But I don't think that is every job. And it's not, I don't think that's the majority of jobs that are having these kind of considerations for other people. They don't have time. That's, that's not what they're obligated to. The further you are normally away from the ground, the people who are doing the footwork, the people who are in the labor unions and all of that kind of stuff, that... You don't care about that. <laughs> Did you get your job done? That's all I'm worried about. That's really what they are thinking about, which I think is another aspect of the pandemic that forced us to even think around like, one, we're working way too hard, but two, I'm trying to indulge in this soft life. Now, I'll put the caveat in there that I do believe you can only engage in a soft life mostly if you have a space of luxury and if you are upper middle class because that affords you a different aspect to be softer. I think it's a little bit more complicated for black people. So we have to be soft life on a budget <laughs> and on the weekend, on a time when we actually have to ourselves because we still have to deal with compromising and we still live in a space of trade-offs. Hey, I want to have this choice to be able to have, be a little bit softer, to be a little bit of this, but me and doing this, what does this mean that I lose out on? And that's always a consideration that is consistently being had as we engage in these conversations because once again, we have to acknowledge that being soft and being uh, have an opportunity to just chill out still requires a certain level of us having to having a certain level of privilege, but also understanding that we can't we we don't have to worry about something being taken away from right. Some people who are hourly workers don't have the privilege to do that all the time, right? Because if I don't have enough money saved up, that extra eight hours, that extra 16 hours might actually do a real impact on these things and these decisions that I have to make in life. That is also a reality that we have to go through, right? I think it's also compacted with the fact that I think black people are still like navigating, negating these stereotypes. We are still just like, nah, we're not lazy. <laughs> we still get this idea of like, in this workplace, are they going to see me as such? And do what do I need to do to ensure that they do not see me as this? And when we don't go above and beyond, that also means, hey, this might just be another lazy nigga. Oh, this also might be somebody who might not be a culture fit. These are all realities that black people are facing in there and have to have these considerations. I think it even gets worse when you add in the intersection of gender. Because now, if you're a black woman who's deciding to not go above and beyond and deciding to just quiet quit and deciding to just you know, do the bare minimum. They already think you're going to have an attitude. They already think that you're going to be somebody who is just like, oh, they're not sociable. They don't want to be around us. They're a little stuck up. They're this, this, and this. And I've seen that happen on multiple occasions of black women who decided not to have to play these workplace politics, these black people who decided not to have to um, indulge, right, in, in playing around in this kind of space. That, to me, has been fascinating, and it's also been something I've been urging people to just be a little bit more considerate about, right? Like these black girls and these black people do not have to engage with you if they are just simply here to do a job. However, it does translate into, oh, you might not be a culture fit. So these are all things that I'm thinking around as we talk about quiet quitting, as we think about the soft life, as we think about setting up these boundaries at work. What are the other adverse effects that we are not thinking about and the realities for those who are a lot more marginalized and might need that space? Um, and might depend on that money because they are still living in trade-offs and not living in choices. Those are things to think about, which is super interesting because I think as we are looking at the soft life, as we're looking at quiet quitting, we're also seeing this happen in music and art, literature. We're seeing this happen in media, 
everywhere is just this idea that we are moving away from music that makes us think around the situations that we're in. I can say that that's a reason probably Kendrick Lamar and Adele's albums, because it was a little bit more internalized and a little bit more processing, they're not having that longevity and that life that we wanted them to have. Because those are albums that made us sit deeply with ourselves. They made us think about who we are. They make us think about how we are navigating in these spaces. Where are my emotions? How am I going with this? Sometimes people just don't want to think at all. <laughs> and right now we're in a space where people don't want to do that. People want to dance. People want to experience joy. People want to experience pleasure. These are the things that people want right now. These are the things that people need right now. The need to be able to escape from the reality of knowing that we are simply expendable is super important for us to recognize. Because the world feels futile right now, we have witnessed war. We are witnessing them play in our faces with our student loans. We are witnessing just the sheer exhaustion that we are getting from workplaces that are playing as if they care in reality they don't. The, the thing in the back of your head that knows that, yo, I'm replaceable, I'm replaceable, I'm replaceable, I'm replaceable. I think it's an ex existential crisis that we're facing as a whole because now we're just like, well, what's the point of us working this hard if we know that tomorrow is not promised? That we know the world can shut down all over again? That we could be on the brink of war? Why, why is any of this stuff necessary? What, what is that? Like, that's, that's the question people are asking. Is this worth my time? Is this worth me putting in all of this effort and knowing that I may not see a return on this? Is any of this stuff worth it? And so when you're thinking around how music is talking, how people are more focused on production, how people are more focused on wanting to move, how art is moving into much more of a surrealist aspect, people don't want the reality anymore, right? People, people want connection, but they want connection through dance. They want connection through joy. They don't want connection through pain and struggle and trauma. That's not what people are searching connection over. And I'm speaking more so for black people because um, that's just my experience and what I'm noticing that trend to be. Okay? And so there's a thing to say around a lot of artists shifting more publicly to house music. There's a, a lot of artists who are shifting into drill music because these are things that I just need to listen so I don't have to think. can also just even think about it from a microcosm. Being in Philly, kids are listening to more dance music than anything. People aren't, people don't want to hear like that hard rap. People don't want to have to have face the reality of the situation because we see this thing every single day. We see the violence every single day. But as long as I can dance and find joy, there is something radical and powerful about people, black people in particular, finding joy in the midst of chaos. Choosing love in the midst of chaos, choosing self in the midst of chaos, knowing that if I don't do this job, there's potential for me to be fired. And that's a very real reality. But is that is it always worth it? And again, that's also just people who don't have those who are depending on them. Right. There are families out here. There are parents out here. There are people who are just like, no, I got to take care of these people. So I have to sacrifice my joy, my pleasure, my vacation, my time, myself in order to ensure that somebody else is being taken care of. And that's so hard for people to deal with right now because that reality sucks. That reality knowing that I cannot choose self because I have 50 million and one other obligations due to the conditions that I live in is sad. We are watching, we are reading articles, we are watching people move away from all of that. Even as you look at the idea of TV, Abbott Elementary makes fun of the workplace. Severance is a show that just makes you think about like, yo, is this stuff even worth it? 
Maybe I just need to disconnect for eight hours of my day and then go back to living my life so I know I can make a very clear separation of work and life. Right? We watch a show like um, Loot, that show on Apple TV that requires a woman who had it at the top of the world but is realizing like, oh, I want purpose. But she ended up finding purpose in the work. Nonprofit work, so it's still purpose-driven, but nonetheless, there was a process and procedure that she had to go through in realizing, like, who is she? I'm looking at all of these shows that are making fun of the workplace. I'm looking at these shows that are deeply in critique of the workplace and the conditions that we are moving in and how people are trying to change those conditions and fight against those conditions more and more. I'm even in the space of just like, all right, well, if you're going to make this policy and I'm always pushing, they know I'm now I'm the worst kind of employee because I'm always the type that ask questions. All right. Did you think about how this impacts so-and-so? Did you think about how this, did you consider what this means? Logistically, how is this thing getting done? If you were going to have us do this thing, then what does that mean in a trade-off? How does that now add on to our job in a different kind of way? Besides the already the name job of us teaching. So anytime that I am thinking around like, yo, what does this mean for us to have to engage? What does this mean for us to have to create a policy? Is it thoughtful? Is it considerate? Is it inclusive? I'm going to get more into that after because I think this is exactly how we get somebody like a Chris Smalls against Amazon. Chris Smalls is a black man that chose to unionize against the second largest company in in the world. Amazon? Jeff Bezos? He is somebody who wanted to fight against the poor work conditions that existed within Amazon's practices. These are people who feared using the bathroom because if they decided to use the bathroom, how did that affect their productivity? How did this then mess up the process of Amazon and keeping that business alive? That is one of the purest forms of capitalism outside of slavery. That You know, I got to be a little dramatic when those kind of spaces, but you know, it's still like those conditions are trash. You're laying off so many people. And then you're just replacing them like this, like this, like this, like this, like this, without consideration. So for somebody like a Chris Smalls who decided that he wanted to honestly just be like, hey, these work conditions are trash. Hey, we should think about our health because the pandemic is happening. All of this stuff was created. He didn't want to unionize to begin with. He didn't. But he had no choice because he was also a manager of people and he wanted to make sure that people had at least health and safety precautions while the pandemic was happening and Amazon was not making consideration of that at all. They were not. So for him to go against like a global entity like Amazon and had the world watching, this really put a lot of businesses on notice. They were on notice. They had to figure out like, yo, if he is going up against Amazon and mind you, he's somebody who's not even deciding to convert into a businessman to be more palatable to the public. That nigga went up in there in his hat, in his J's, in his jacket that's multi-bright colors, all of that. His hat that said, eat the rich with some braids, right? He went in there and said, oh, no, 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 we're going to go toe-to-toe. We're going to bar for bar in here because these conditions are not met. They're not, they're not useful. They're not considerate. They're not thinking about who is most marginalized within the community, right? He walked in with that eat the rich hat. He knew exactly what he was doing and the spaces that he was occupying and because of that, Amazon, now Amazon didn't know, they, they hired their best lawyer. And that those anti-union lawyers, they was doing what they needed to do because they was pushing back, pushing back, pushing back. However, you don't get a Chris Smalls if your conditions are being considerate 
of your employees and those who are keeping your business alive. Now you are forcing these people to have to live in this area and have to live in this space because some people have no choice. I need to make money. I need benefits. I need to ensure that people are fed. There are people who depend on me in order to get this thing done. Those are very real things. However, how is this to be true and how is this to be useful if that person ends up dead? If that person cannot survive, if that person's well-being is not there because now you're only getting half of a person. You're getting only part of a person. Chris Smalls was simply advocating for his employees, for the people that he manages, for his warehouse in particular, and Amazon overall to really just think around how you are creating conditions that are not useful for everybody. How are you creating conditions that make me have to go against, that make me want to unionize because you are no longer considering us. You see us as, pe as workers, you do not see us as human beings. All of that is super important to think about because that is something happening on much more of a larger scale. This is something that I think all business leaders, leaders in general, uh, managers, CEOs, all of them need to be thinking about now. Chris Smalls is somebody who was attacked and fired from his job for advocating for people in order to have conditions that need to be met because at least the people on the ground know what they are experiencing. Which means this should be a call to employers, to managers, to leaders. Yo, are we making sure we're not burning our people out? Are we making sure that we are not creating conditions that are oppressive to other people? Are we also not are we creating a true work-life balance? All of these things are necessary. People don't want to quiet quit under amazing leadership. People don't quiet quit and need, have a need for that soft life if you have amazing leadership. People quit leaders. People don't quit jobs. You're telling me that this thing is not working and you are not considering who I am even though I do this thing to ensure that you look good every single day. <laughs> Now, employers, they have something else to consider too, right? Like, are we, are you, are you still meeting the basic needs of your job? Which is what quiet quitting pushes us to do. Now, I do think some niggas be taking quiet quitting and just be like, I ain't doing nothing in the name of mental health. Now, that can be a thing. <laughs> so, I don't want us to take away from that part where there are extremes that do live in all of this. However, I think those extremes are still created because there is no middle ground to be met. I don't want to go above and beyond for somebody I don't like. I don't want to go above and beyond for a job that's truly not pur not purposeful in my life. People don't do that. This new generation, these upcoming generation, younger millennials, Gen Z, the people that you're going to get working into here require a different level of consideration that, frankly, the previous generations did not have the audacity to ask because they had so much else that they had to worry about. But right now, we have the privilege and the freedom to choose how we want to exist, what we want our work life to look like, what we want this balance to look like, and the kind of space that we want to live in. That stuff is all important. What I think is that leadership needs to start rethinking about their conditions. They need to think about how workers are going to buy into who, who they are and what work they are doing. How do you maintain purpose? And how are we able to hold bosses accountable in these spaces? Because fact of the matter is, I think there are a lot of people who get in this position but have no type of training on how to manage other people. There is never an opportunity where we're just like, yo, we need to make sure that you are being held accountable to your contract. That's where people's frustrations are at. That's why people are skeptical. That's why people are just like, yo, you're not even doing what you need to do. So how am I supposed to go above and beyond and you're not doing what you need to do? These are all things to think about, especially on the psychology of a building, because now you really have to start thinking around like, am I doing what I need to do? Do people really believe in what I'm doing? Can they follow me as a leader? Am I worth following into this thing with? Can they have it all? 
I think leadership is going to deal with complaints no matter because I don't think 100% of people are ever going to be satisfied. But if you do meet the basic needs of everybody and you have this idea of buy-in, I think you minimize the amount of complaints that you get and we get to move into a space of refinement. So I do think that the workplace needs to have considerations for the different intersections of people that they're working with. There needs to be a hyper focus on race because as more black people enter the workforce and continue to be in the workforce, you need to know how to do this. I do believe that leadership needs to have their own training and their own things that they are accountable to because at the end of the day, it's not a top-down thing anymore. Keep it a bean with you. You still need us to run certain things. You still need us to function. And again, that goes back to the point of people are expendable. And so if you just want to, you know, switch in and out, switch in and out, switch in and out, I don't know how long institutions can live like that unless you're like a Walmart, you know, or Amazon, you know. I would also think around like, When you are creating policies, how many people are in the space to actually be able to consider all of this? My biggest thing, and I think about this as I become a leader and I lead my own teams is, are you actually checking in, creating spaces for mentorship, creating spaces for a pipeline and bringing people in when you are deciding on these policies that are going to be enacted? If Amazon truly was invested, they would take that top person and the person who is most impacted by the decisions and figure out where's that meeting place. Because every person is considered a stakeholder that's impacted by this. So those who are on the board, those who are the workers, the laborers, those who are managers all need to know. Because if you don't know the inner workings of each position and how everybody can be impacted, there's no way that this thing can work. But you also get buy-in. People won't complain as much if I felt like I was a part of this solution. If I felt like I was being considered, if I could just give a perspective, I can be part of this dialogue. But when people are shut out of the dialogue and you were just told to do this thing, you lose the aspect of listening. What do you fear about having people on the ground and closest to having to follow this policy? What does that mean? Are you scared of being wrong? Is it an ego thing? Is it just like acknowledging like, oh, I didn't actually consider this point. And when you are doing this thing, how are you also compensating those for their time as well? Because the reality is we also in that generation of just like, yeah, I'm not doing nothing extra if I'm not getting paid for it. Or can I have my, because time can also be looked at as currency. Can I have my time placed elsewhere? Can I be considered elsewhere? Maybe this may look like a quick bonus. Hey, maybe if I give you the stipend, can you help us build out this plan? Wherever that money can come from, wherever you can shift these things around or whatever you can make to feel as if like, hey, I can give you flex time here. I can do this or I can do this or I can do this. All of that stuff is very particular and very necessary, especially when you want to create the company culture that you want to be, because I think once you do that, that leads to retention that then leads to people being happier in the workplace and them simply wanting to do the work for you. (laughs) Right. I, I again, I think there are still people who want to do good work. I think there are people who want to move up in the world. However, I do think when you think about the pandemic, when you think about the way that art and music and media are moving, And then when you look at somebody like Chris Moss, who's able to go up against a giant like Amazon, then you start seeing like, oh, business leaders should be worried. Employees keep living your life, but also think about like when you make these decisions, what does that mean for you? Can you quiet quit? Do you have the luxury of quiet quitting? Do we have the privilege to quiet quit? I don't know if that's always to be true. Because again, we still live in a black exceptionalism. People have considerations. People want to move up. Do those who decide to quiet quit get to move out of their position? I don't know. (laughs) right i'm not an employer i've been a manager before i've been an employee before i've been an intern before all of that stuff matters all of this stuff requires us to be a little to think just a little bit more all of this also requires us to want to 
move into a space of making decisions that are considerate of everybody. Like I said in the beginning of this episode, my biggest concern is that I think a lot of businesses and organizations are moving backwards and no longer in the space of being considerate about the conditions that are being created. I think they are just going back to what's familiar because business needs to go back to how it was. Back to business as usual. Do I think that's going to be the most beneficial thing? I don't think so. Do I think people still want to work and find value in that way? Absolutely. I just don't think that we are happy with the conditions right now. Once we realize, hey, we want to deal with life and real life and indulge in joy and have all of these very human things, especially when we know we're in a space where we could be replaceable, expendable. I'm super interested to see how leadership is going to actually truly reimagine the conditions that are created. I'm more interested in seeing how they can create the standard because, again, I think a lot of people need proof of concept. And so what happens when you see a successful business thriving? How long does it take for that thing to happen? Um, Are there leaders who are willing to take that chance to be like, yo, let's look at this stuff and go through this entire thing, sitting down with HR, sitting down with different stakeholders? Are you able to do all of this stuff and make sure that anti-racism can happen in your in your space can you also make sure that everybody's being considered in your space are you making a job and the conditions worth it i'm interested to see where that conversation goes i'm interested when i get into that position uh more consistently but i'm also interested to see what happens uh moving forward because i ain't ever gonna shut my damn mouth i'm still quite quit in the ways that i need to um, sometimes it's a little difficult as a teacher, but we're going to make it work. Other than that, though, I appreciate y'all coming in and listening on this episode. Let me know your thoughts around it. What are your thoughts around quiet quitting as a black person? Um, what are your thoughts around Chris Smalls and Amazon? And if you are an institutional leader, what are your thoughts? Have you been taking chances to also change the conditions that we are living in and also make sure that your employees are feeling at the best all the time, or at least the conditions are at least meeting their basic needs so they can be better at their jobs? Employees, how has quiet quitting impacted you? I'm super interested and fascinating. Please let me know. Again, this is another episode of This American Negro. This is your boy, Keith. I appreciate you. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And I will see you next week.